0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello
1: and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. As you know, Phil, we like to give the listeners a little bit of a bonus here and there. They got a nice shouted three from me at the top of uh, last week. No extra charge.
2: Yeah, that was a little treat for everyone, wasn't it? There's a peek behind the magician's curtain there of our little high-take recording uh, techniques where we count ourselves in to press record. Um, (laughs) So yeah, hopefully you all enjoyed that one. Well, I don't want to
1: say two cans and a piece of string. That would
2: be too rude to us, but
1: but the same token, I, I have a couple of times received messages. Oh, how do you guys do the pod? You know, you must be quite busy with the editing. And do... and I haven't had the heart to sort of quite say that we're, we're quite simple, aren't we, in the way we do it? I mean, I, I, I was thinking about it. It's a bit like, you know, when the IT department, ask if you switch the machine off and on. <laughs> it's, we're sort of the podcast equivalent of that in many ways. We're, we're definitely a start, press start, press stop operation here, aren't we?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's every expense spared in this operation. I think it's as uh, it's uh, as straightforward as possible. I think that keeps it easy for us, is not it? And uh, I don't know. We haven't had too many complaints yet. So as long as, if it ain't broke, don't fix it.
1: Amen. <laughs> oh, well, um, the Championship League continues, Phil, and we are now three quarters of the way through that event, and we've seen another uh, very interesting week of action uh, again. Uh, It's fair to say the standard hasn't always been amazing. It's early in the season, a lot of rustiness around, but players easing into their seasons. And yeah, we've certainly seen some interesting results. And we'll we'll go through those in this uh, new episode for you. And starting with last Monday and Jimmy Robertson and Ashley Hugill were the two players that went through. Robertson with uh, seven points ahead of Joe Perry, notably with six in that group. And uh, Jimmy White was in that group as well. and also Ashley Hugill uh, going through with seven points, ahead of uh, Sonny Akane with five. And Stephen Maguire just one point from his three matches in that group. So, uh, yeah, great results for Robertson and Hugill. Robertson, former European Masters winner, but didn't really shine last season. And, uh, well, Hugill getting his campaign off to, off to a fine start. So I wouldn't say massively different kind of names, but it was an interesting day of action. And uh, obviously a lot of people would have fancy Maguire, but... Yeah, a bit of a stinker really and obviously Hugill took full advantage.
2: Yeah, he got decent odds on that pairing coming through that day. Um, Robertson played really well. He's, I think he needed, to, he needed to beat Perry in the final game of that um, of that group and he started off with the tournament high break, 140. So not too shabby. He went on to win 3-1. So yeah, very good result for him. And yeah, Maguire. I actually watched, I managed to catch three Maguire frames that day and they just happened to be the three that he won. They are all in a row. He was 2-0 down in his first game, one two to draw it, and then he won the next one, the first frame of his next game. And I was thinking, oh, he, he started off badly, but he's really found his stride here, and he'll probably come through it okay. But then I looked at the results later on, he'd lost every other frame of the day. So, yeah, um, you know, I mean, we know what you're going to get. Well, you don't know when you get mcguire that's a thing, but he's predictably unpredictable. Um, and I think if it, in these kind of tournaments he can sort of, switch off a bit so it's not a massive surprise I suppose he's not come through but it was surprising to see him come bottom but yeah great result for Hugo and Robertson a couple of interesting groups there yeah
1: I mean you don't want to sort of be too harsh on McGuire it's one of those where he's had an excellent career he's won the UK Championship the Tour Championship other events but you have to also say everyone's different Had he been one of those players that had that fierce burning commitment and desire to knuckle down, put the hours on the practice table, he would have won more in his career. It's as simple as that. But um, at the same token, as I say, he's done all right. And, you know, I guess the frustrating thing for his fans must be, when he shines, like at that Tour Championship last year, he almost becomes getting on for unplayable, uh, but he just doesn't do it enough, does he?
2: Yeah, he's in that group of players that aren't quite at the very top but when they are playing when they're at the best they are um but yeah I don't I mean partly it probably is down to some hard work but it's just natural temperament as well um some people are just sort of designed mentally to be really good at this where I would, I would say that Maguire isn't really he's sort of battling himself a lot of the time as much as he's trying to play snooker um so yeah he's, he does struggle with that I guess but I, I don't, as I said, I don't really expect him to do well in these kind of tournaments anyway. I don't, he could easily turn up at the next one on TV and, and look superb, so we'll see what happens. But uh, other other than a complete wasted trip down from Scotland, which I'm sure he'll be a bit annoyed about, I don't think the results will bother him too much. No, exactly.
1: And it and it, and it won't exactly be the, the revelation of a lifetime um, to say that he's quite good value for us, isn't he? He given yeah. yeah, his press conferences, you he often is just so laid back and in such a sort of funny mood that he makes a good copy and good company during those presses actually.
2: Yeah he's a good, uh, yeah I enjoy speaking to him, I think when he, you watch him on TV sometimes if you've never met him he, he can look kind of angry slash struppy, slash a bit intimidating almost but when you actually get to speak to him uh, he's really cool so yeah um I always I sort of wish the best for him but uh yeah, not to be this week for him, uh, bottom, and one uh, one point to his name.
1: But one player that did a lot better than that was Yan Bing Tao. He's through to the next stage uh, with six points ahead of Louis Heathcote and Jamie Clark with four each. That was on Tuesday. The day that Matt Seltz also won through, that was a really tight group, actually. Him with five points, Ashley Carty and Lucas Kleckers with four points each. And I guess the theme, generally, Phil, is a lot of those big hitters, and you probably have to say Jan Bintour is in that category now. He's on the Masters. Um, it, it's all about getting that W, all about getting that Q, the qualifying. It doesn't matter if you're not on your absolute best game. It's frankly a very good sign if you're playing for the first time in the season and you're getting through. You're still showing your quality, and sometimes the B game comes into play, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone would... Has been anywhere near their best uh, in this tournament so far. Certainly not over three games. You know, there's been flashes, some nice big breaks in there, but uh, yeah, it's definitely just just winning. And uh, to win all three is great work from Jan. Um, that wasn't an easy group by any stretch. Heathcote and Clark, two very good young players on the tour. And McGuigan is very highly rated, not on the tour, but um, he's he's a hot prospect for the future. So yeah. Um, Jan's just so reliable, isn't he? Uh, um, definitely up there with the big boys, um, undoubtedly. And then, yeah, as you said, that other group, Selt, I guess, was the favourite he would have been, I should think. Um, and he, he proved it just about, just one win, but that, that'll that do. It doesn't matter, yeah. you don't, It makes no difference when you come through. You get the same prize money for winning one and drawing two in that group as Jan did for winning all three in his group. So, uh, yeah, well done to those guys.
1: Oh, fair dues. I'm actually looking at a table here that I, I, I've seen Jan Bintow with six points, but actually he did win all three games, didn't he? So um, that's on the Championship League site. So yeah, apologies for that. He beat Robbie McGuigan uh, 3-0, uh, Louis Heathcote 3-1 and Jamie Clark 3-1. So yes, it was it was pretty comprehensive from Jan, a bit more so than I, than I suggested there, certainly. And Sean Murphy, another a big name that got himself through on Wednesday. And he might have been a bit closer to the to the sort of best form. He was quite happy in the interview that I saw him um, uh, talking. Uh, and actually, you know, a, a few a few of the players are pointing out that I mean, I've I've one that's said a few times that I welcome a break. But actually, it's probably a little bit longer a break than I've than I'm sort of um, thinking really because we had that extra two weeks, didn't we? Had it come back in early July, it wouldn't have been quite so dramatic. And actually, for a lot of players that are playing late in the Championship League. And I mean, Murphy got to the crucible final, but the some that didn't get to the latter stages of the crucible, it's three getting on four months. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, a third of a year, four months. So that is, that is long, but, but Murphy uh, getting through with seven points ahead of Jamie Jones with uh, five. And it strikes me that the two group winners that day, Murphy and Matthew Stevens contested the world final of 2005. That just goes to show how much longevity these, um, these uh, guys have, uh, Matthew was six points ahead of Mark King and Ross Muir uh, with four each. So yeah, Sean Murphy, friend of the podcast, who's been on here this, this summer Phil. Decent start of the season for him. I mean, he, you know, he showed, didn't he, towards the end of last season that he's still got all the quality in the world.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I, I saw the interview with him as well after, after he came through, and he didn't seem very pleased with that because he mentioned he's not really been playing that much. He's uh he's been playing a lot of golf. And uh, had a few uh, little family trips around Ireland, and uh, I don't know where he would got this from, but he'd, he'd heard that Jamie Jones had been playing a lot, so he was expecting. Uh, he said he wasn't really expecting to win that group. He thought Jones would come through, and it came down to that last match. I think uh, a draw would a draw was enough uh, for Murphy James, but Jones could have got through if he'd won. So uh, yeah, he did well to come through that. Uh, and and uh, for you know, for those guys, you know, the Champions League's not. Uh, they're not going to be circling that on the calendar when it comes out at the start of the season. But uh, w- winning games helps, even uh, if you're right at the top of the game. So, we'll be delighted with that. And, yeah, the other group seemed a bit of a pick em, really. Uh, Stevens, King and Muir, and then Padgett back on tour. Um, you never really know what you're going to get with Matthew Stevens. He still looks brilliant at times, but it sort of comes and goes quite a lot, doesn't it? Um, Ross Muir looked good in Q school. King's obviously very good. King may well have been the favourite to come through that. Yeah. Um, It was a tight one yesterday. Well done to to Stevens. Couple of good wins. Um, Who did he lose to? Lost to Padgett, actually. Yeah. So beat uh, beat King and Muir. So fair play to him. Definitely. Um, He's still a nice player to watch,
1: Matthew Stevens. You're right. It 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 does frustrate me more than anything now with him, though. um, A little bit, certainly speaking for myself, because he he ought to have won one of those world finals. I know we're going back a long time now. and he's one of those, again, still superb career, one of the best players not to win it. And I think because you know he's never going to quite reach those heights now, it can be can grate a bit. But he's still capable of, of potentially going very deep in ranking events, actually, isn't he? He's got that kind of mentality still. He's got that quality. But again, you know, unless we're talking about a class of 92 who are ridiculous geniuses, most of those guys with age tend to drop off a bit, don't they? And that's what we see, we, we see with him, really.
2: Yeah, I mean, just, um, you don't see him that much in the, in the latter stages of things now. Um, I think got to the quarterfinal of the UK not that long ago, but that was a bit of a standout. Um, but, yeah, he's number 36 in the world, so it's, <laughs> he's just where you judge players, isn't it? Like, To my mind, I don't see Stevens win very matches, um, but he obviously wins plenty to still be in, in the top 40 in the world. Where you whereas you think of some some youngsters you think oh they're doing really well but they're down in 70 or 80 in the world so yeah I mean it's just expectations of people but yeah I know you mean um he was a great player for a few years wasn't he like um last stages of all sorts lots of finals um and yeah he's one of those that you think should have won more but it is what it is uh, an awful lot of runs at the crucible he was uh, he was unbelievably uh, reliable for some years there, wasn't he? It was, it was sort of what Kyron's been doing in recent yeah. years. Um, quarters, he, he was finals. a Kyron
1: 20 years ago, wasn't he, almost?
2: Yeah. yeah. Certainly in that front. I mean, they're quite different players in other ways. But, uh, yeah, in terms of Sheffield record, uh, very much so in the sort of late 90s, early, early noughties. But, yeah, still plugging away. I don't know how much, uh, how much he enjoys it. <laughs> he always seems a little bit downbeat when you see him in interviews, really. But... Uh, I suppose that's the nature of it, once you've been competing at the business end of major tournaments, and now you're not really. um, The enjoyment probably will go down a bit, but he's come through this week, so that's good news for him. It definitely is. Now, talking of Friends of Talking Snooker,
1: guess guess which top player won three games, but still said, oh, nah, not really showed much form there, couldn't get a rhythm, couldn't get into it. Uh, I'll probably be a bit unfair, really. because David Gilbert is um, a, a very valuable character in Snooker, I think, Phil. We loved his appearance last week, didn't we? I know I told him off a bit for being too negative. I still think he is sometimes when you think about his record recently. But anyway, he, you know, c- can we call ourselves a lucky charm? The evidence is building up. He beat Sanderson Lam 3-1, uh, Jamie Wilson 3-0 and Liam Highfield 3-0. So, yes, he wasn't particularly enthusiastic about his performances, but a decent start to the season – and the other group that day was won by David Lilly uh, with seven points ahead of Zhao Zintong and Joe O'Connor with four points. So yeah, I mean, David said to us pretty candidly, he didn't know where he was was with his form. This was the chance to show. And again, he's put results on the board there. You know, in that sense, a, a pleasing start to the campaign for him.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I caught his first game, so he beat Sanderson Lamb and he looked quite good there. And then it, you can be a bit unlucky with the scheduling, I think, in the Championship League, because he was first on at midday, and then that takes, what, 45 minutes or whatever, and then you're not on again till six. And it's because it's just a one-day group, and then you go home again. You're not booked into a hotel or anything, so it's not like you can just pop back to your room or anything. You've just got to sort of knock about uh, in uh, in Leicester for five five hours, pretty much. suppose you could get on the practice table a bit. There's not loads to do. Um so, yeah, he was saying that he sort of, you know, he's just bored more than anything. And then you've got to switch, switch back on for a very short format game a few hours later. It's a strange one. But, uh, and that did look a bit... He beat Jamie Wilson 3-0 at that first one back on, but they were both struggling badly. Uh, but then, yeah, great performance, because that was the group decided then the final one against Liam Highfield, uh, who'd won his first two games. So to beat him 3-0 when he needed to, very impressive, yeah. Um, I didn't see much of the other table that day. But yeah, great, uh, great result for David Lilly after winning the seniors, um, and then to knock Zhang, Zhao Jing out there, um, superb result. Yeah, so he'll be he'll be delighted with that. He drew Zhao, um, but Zhao lost to oh he lost to Zhao Kanna, so a no good result for him there. Um, but yeah, well done to the two Davids and on that day on the Thursday.
1: We spent a lot of the week, I think, probably digesting what, what Dave had to say. He had some really interesting views, certainly, uh, on, on short matches and a, and a reminder that we are pretty much uh, certain now to have our Next Your Views episode on September the 13th. Um, it's one of those where you think, oh, are we going on too much about short matches? But then I sort of think, well, not really, because that is the, that is the topic du jour, if you like. That mm-hmm. is the thing that everyone's talking about at the moment. And, you know, a week on... You know, he, he was so candid. He, you have to think, I mean, you speak to more players than I do, certainly, so you'll be able to probably know this, but that's what a lot of players are thinking, aren't they? About the best of five at the British Open. I mean, Dave, Dave might be more sort of vocal than others and a bit bolder in saying it, but I imagine that in that community, there's probably not that many players that are that enamoured with that format, is there? Uh,
2: I've, I've not heard anyone saying, great, it's best of fives. You know, <laughs> um, there, there may well be some, I suppose. You know, for the, for the ones sort of scratching about at the bottom of the rankings, then it should help their chances against, if they get drawn against a big name. Um, but even those guys, you know, that they still back themselves to be good players. So um, I don't think they want to be thrown into sort of what is more of a lottery. Um, so, yeah, uh, I've not heard any players sort of really coming out backing it. Uh, but uh, that tends to be the nature of it, especially if you're sort of getting your, new, your feedback off Twitter, you will hear all the negative views more than anything else. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll see how it goes down the British Open. As he said in this, he said he didn't care if the Championship League was best of one. I don't think anyone expects this to be anything other than quite a short format. Um, but yeah, the British Open comes around. We'll see uh, We'll see how it pans out because it'll become a disappointing, I think, when there's like a really high quality match. And then it just ends and it's all done and dusted very quickly and you'll be left wanting a lot more. And that's when it becomes disappointing. But uh, yeah, we'll see.
1: We will see. And the tournament is now just a week away. And when we next join you, we'll look ahead in more detail to that. Uh, the really first big ranking event of the season. And it feels time that we're having that uh, upon us very soon now. As much as we've enjoyed the sort of slow burn of the Championship League, I think we need a bit more high octane now. And that's coming up in a week's time, the British Open. But back to the Championship League and the action on Friday. I was quite impressed with Judge Trump's results, actually, Phil. In a sense, he had three wins, all with a three-one scoreline. So we had to battle a bit, beating Rod Lawler, Lee Walker, and Anthony Hamilton. I know we joked a bit, you know, maybe more than a bit about the, the sort of slow play and they're quite methodical players, aren't they? But I think it was a grind, wasn't it? I mean, let, let's let's be clear here, it, it, it wasn't a day where Judge Trump could really get his rhythm together again, first match of the season first matches, not that easy to anyway but he did get through uh, You know, in, in that sense a good start from him and also from former Masters champion Mark Allen who got through his group with seven points ahead of Mitchell Mann with five points so had a couple of more sort of surprising uh, group winners from lower down the rankings but two massive big hitters there on Friday getting through
2: Yeah, um, I watched a couple of Judd's games, and yeah, he he said in his interview afterwards it was a particularly tough group for him, specifically (laughs) against the sort of slower players. But I I don't think anyone likes playing really slow players. But um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it also wasn't entirely his opponent's fault that they were down to, there was not much fluency or rhythm because uh, Judd missed a lot of balls that you wouldn't normally see him hit just because he hasn't been playing much. Um, He says he hasn't even played anyone since the World Championships. And I know he hasn't played a game since then, but the way he said it, I think he meant he he literally hasn't even practised with anyone since the World Championship. So uh, it's no surprise that uh, he he was quite rusty, but clearly still good enough to win all three games. So uh, well done to him. And uh, there were some nice other the moments. I mean, Anthony Hampton knocked in a a great century in one of his games, finished second in the group. So uh, it'll be a good result for him. I don't know if you saw the clip of him. Smashing the break in his last frame against Judd. I think some of that didn't I go did. I did, <laughs> <laughs> That <laughs> I was a think some proper people that. Uh, it, well, I think it wasn't entirely dead frame. It wasn't just a dead frame in his game. I don't think it ma- It made any difference to the group either. So uh, I don't, I've got no complaints of that. If, if it, it literally means nothing, then you can do what you want. Um, but yeah, uh, solid stuff from Judd. He was uh, nowhere near his best, but it, nowhere near his best is still too good for most people. And actually Mark Allen um, looked superb at times in his his first game, was it his first game? He knocked in two centuries. Um, yes, yeah, his first game against Daniel Walmersley, a 137, 103 and 94 to win his win his three frames. Um, yeah, sensational. And Mitchell Mann was really good as well, which I was played for because uh, I, I I did that interesting interview with him about his come through his struggles and uh, he won his first game against Chris Waitley in 3-0 with a 1-3-2 in there. Um, drew with Alan and came came second in the group. So, uh, yeah, well done to all those guys. Yeah, I was pleased, pleased to see all those guys do well. Sorry if
1: you heard a coffee machine in the background a few moments ago, by the way. That's a, that's a massive blow for my working-class hero credentials, isn't it, Phil? <laughs> that's how we live in Hackney. But um, let, let me go back to something I, I, I wanted to say and I didn't scribble down, actually. Um, there was a... A really interesting was it Jamie Clark, Louis Heathcote, two-two draw. That that were all very deep frames. Was it three on the pink, one on the black, or three on the black, one on the pink? I think it might have been the latter.
2: And yeah, the, I watched that, and I've I forgotten which way around it was. But yeah, they all went to the death. It was amazing for a best of four. It was incredible, really enjoyable.
1: I must admit, I didn't. I, I only saw little bits of clips, but it was one of those because obviously I follow I follow a lot of snooker people on my Twitter feed and you don't tend, touch wood, to miss a lot of storage when you're on Twitter like that, because things, you know, will be reported back. Someone's watching something, you know, always. Yeah, yeah. And it started going through, you know, this, this for a best of four. this is amazing. And this is, you know, this is ridiculous. Every frame, and, and, and it took my attention there. It just shows, I guess... You said about the frustrating side about wanting matches to go on longer when it's two really good players or a really compelling match. But even something like a best of four can have can have its charms, can't it? And can have its drama.
2: Yeah, especially when both players are ending on 50, 60 points in every frame. You do seem to feel like you've got quite a lot of snooker for your money there in four frames. Yeah, I've I found, I've dug it, I did tweet about it, I've dug that out. Three frames, one on the black and one on the pink. Wow. Um and there obviously were some mistakes in there to let the other man in on a regular basis, but I do remember there's some big nice breaks as well. Uh, yeah, two really good young players; those two uh, on the way up in the game, uh, and they were looking decent there. So yeah, and that was—it was just—it uh, was, just, a, it was a, just really engaging. Like, there seemed to be constant swings in momentum, and. Uh, over that short distance, you wouldn't think you could, you've got time to build too much momentum and then lose it again. But uh, they managed to do it, and uh, yeah, it was really—it was the first match of the d- day as well, I think, uh, or at least it's their first anyway. But yeah.
1: Have, yeah, their first one, the second one. Yeah, happy,
2: I think. Um, yeah, it was a really enjoyable one.
1: Yes, it it, it, it certainly was, and just shows those short matches can still be it, enjoyable. And well, the mists are clearing, Phil, aren't they? You, you, you know, we can see the light. The Championship League is moving through to the second stage. And, well, actually, there are some top groups coming up. Um, I know the Championship League is not everyone's cup of tea, and it, it is a slow-moving slow one. Let's not pretend otherwise. But, you know, in terms of the players and the, and the characters we'll see in the next few days, well, we can't really have too many complaints. And Monday actually looks terrific with one group, uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan, David Gilbert, Chang Bing Yu and Craig Steadman. And then the other one that really catches the eye, uh, Yan Tao, Barry Hawkins, Matt Selt and Kau Peng. I mean, we've of course had uh, George William on here and I've heard other tips to stay. They steer clear of this unless they really see a banker. But you wouldn't want to put any money on that Bingtao, uh, Hawkins, Selt, Yu Peng group, would you? No, no thanks.
2: No, no way. Uh, I've, 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 I actually have had a look at their betting and Yan uh, and Hawkins are sort of, level favourites but Kao Yupeng was superb in his uh, first group so um, yeah like you said you maybe maybe you would put your money on him but then you would be ruling out Yann and Hawkins and Selph was great as well so yeah who's to say and even the other group um, O'Sullivan will obviously be runaway favourite but it, it seems ages ago he played he was playing the first day of this stage one and that was so long ago I don't yeah. know what he's been doing in the meantime I know he's been doing a few exhibitions actually um, but yeah, and Gilbert only played the other day, so maybe that'll go in his favour, who knows. Um, but yeah, a couple of great start to it. Uh, it's a shame that I guess that Jan and Hawkins and Cowan Celt group will be on table two in a way for not everyone will get to see it. Um, but then you're not going to put the rocket on anything but table one. Very much so. And the match from live
1: service, you can see both, can't you? I think the second one's without yeah. commentary, so there will be an option to see that. Yeah, that's actually a cracking day of snooker, actually. And Ronnie O'Sullivan David Gilbert's the last match. Obviously, they're, they're kind of expecting that could well be the group decider, but we'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, On to Tuesday, then, and uh, Sean Murphy, Graham Dot, Ali Carter and uh, Gerard Green, so, well... Plenty of experience there. I scribbled down a combined age of one hundred and seventy-one, <laughs> and the other the other group: Stuart Bingham, Ryan Day, Alex Ersenbacker and Ashley Hughill. I mean, there'll be some proper ring craft. I think you'd call it in boxing, but there'll be some proper table craft on, on, on offer there in that, particularly that Murphy, Doc Carter, Green group, will not there, Phil?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's another tough one to pick. Um, we've spoken before about Ali Carter has been in good form for months. Mm-hmm. He looked good in his first group, um, but again, like I said in the last one, it seems forever ago that he was playing his group, while, whereas Murphy only won his the other day. Um Dot's always tough to beat. Um, Gerald Green's been around for ages, so you're talking about the table craft for sure. Um, I guess Murphy will be favourite, but can't be much ahead of Carter or even Dot, really. Um, the other group, uh, er- Bingham will be clear favourite there, but Ursen Bakker was arguably the star performer of the first group, he was the only player to not drop a single frame, won won all three games, won them all 3-0, so you can't argue with that (laughs) at all, especially because he wasn't even the top seed. I think Scott Donaldson Donaldson was top seed, and with Aaron Hill and Leo Fernandes in there, so it wasn't an easy one at all for the Swiss. Um, So yeah, that's another tough one to call. Ryan Day, very good player, and and Ashley Hugelby, he wouldn't have been favourite to come through his group, but he'll be delighted, and be confident going into that so yeah another another good day of action i'll be looking forward to oh it's murphy versus dot they've got on last in that first group i thought it might be murphy against carter but um yeah that'll be a good one
1: yes and it's what i've said before actually in recent weeks you can't quite pigeonhole graham dot in a way that would be neat in that or he only does long format he can never do anything short because he he has done well in this before actually and uh yeah, you know he'll scrap for every ball in that in that particular group that day. So there's some really fascinating matches there to come, and that should be the case as well on Wednesday when we're seeing groups: uh, Kyron Wilson, Matthew Stevens, Oliver Lines, and Ken Doherty, and then the other group: David Lilly, Nopon Sankam, Mark Davis, and Bay Lang Ning. There's so much experience around in these groups, you know, and um, it's a nice thing, you know. I said to you when we were. Off there just before actually didn't I that I said that I scribbled down a, a couple of combined ages and I ho- hope that didn't didn't appear rude. I certainly don't mean it in a rude way. I mean it in a way in a in a complimentary way and then a kind of embracing it that that we have these players of different ages and that's I get part of the, one of the part of the joys of the sport I guess. But mm. but uh, yes, uh, it, I mean if Kyron plays his best, Kyron will go through in that group. The other one's certainly a hard one to call. And uh, yeah, interesting action ahead there on Wednesday.
2: Yeah, I think you've always <laughs> just seems like you have to go with Kyron in this tournament. It's silly not to. Um, of course, the other three will fancy their chances of causing an upset. But, uh, yeah, it's a brave person to not back Kyron Wilson in the Championship League. But the other one, I don't think anyone would have picked it, That being those four players, to be contesting Group C. Um, Nopon was great, but uh, he was in a group with John Higgins, wasn't he? So, yes, he did. Uh, no yeah, so I, I don't think anyone would have been picking him. And Lang long names, then the amateurs come through. Oh no, that's not right because David Il- David Lilly is an amateur as well. Um, so both amateurs that come through are in the same group, uh, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, that's that is a pick and one. Surely, I guess on might be favourite after playing so well to knock Higgins out of that group. But yeah, who knows in that one?
1: I love it when you say it's a pick and one. I know I said it before. I'm I'm always always thinking you're going to say pick and mix. <laughs> one day as a treat for me you might just say pick a mix won't you
2: um, I'll throw it in there
1: <laughs> and coming up on Thursday uh, Judd Trump, Tom Ford, Stuart Carrington and Jimmy Robertson and the other group Mark Allen, Ricky Walden, Peter Lyons and Fergal O'Brien well that's a combined age of 173 obviously <laughs> Peter and Fergal contributing a lot of that but uh, uh, yeah again a lot of, a lot of um, you know, good top players there I mean, you think you think probably the top name in both groups will go through and Judd will sort of fancy his chances there, won't he, against those guys, you would think.
2: Yeah, you'd be brave not to pick Judd there, having just played on Friday. Um, he'll only get better, won't he? You could say that about any player, really. They're only going to get better uh, as they get into the season. Um, and Mark Allen won't have it easy. Ricky Walden, I think, is going to have a good season, isn't he? He seems to be... Confident, playing well, he only dropped one frame in his first group, um, and yeah, so that that's I think that's less clear, but yeah, you got. I mean, it's it's rare you don't back Judge Trump to win anything. So I think <laughs> this group here um, won't won't change change that script at all. So we'll go with those two, I guess.
1: We will, and then of course uh, later in the week we'll see the final two groups, and then the final, which is best of five, and then we'll be crowning a winner of the championship league, and. Uh, and uh, that's been a month of action it'll be then. And then we'll look ahead to the Bushish Open and the season will just about, you feel, crank into more life with various ranking events coming up. Um, but you've also been keeping an eye on, on some of some of our very young players in action in, in recent days and some interesting results there, including one of the players that was in Championship League action on Monday, last Monday.
2: Yeah, um, so I've not seen it. I've, I don't think there's any stream or anything of it, but BPSB have been finishing off their. Um, age group tournaments from last year which they had to pause but they've sorted out now, Um, so just some winners for you if anyone had not seen it Um, Sean Maddox won the England under-21 and it seems to be won the under-18 so um, great couple of results for him, Paul Deville won the under-16s, Stan Moody who seems like he's a bit of a star of the uh, young age group uh, tournaments, he won the under-14s and Ashley Beale won the over-55s um, so there we go. I mean, Maddox played in that uh, group yeah, last Monday and he actually came bottom of his group without winning a frame. So it <laughs> shows the step up in class between that year, the sort of age range tournaments where he's been cleaning up, really, um, to then go and play with Jimmy Robertson, Joe Perry and Jimmy White and, uh, you know, not, not come away with anything at all. So um, still don't want to put any sort of positive shine on that at all. It's still great results for him to win those two tournaments. And there was also, in the women's side of the game, the English Women's Open was played over the weekend, which Rebecca Kenner won, beat Mary Tolbert Deegan in the final. So there we go. There was uh, there was plenty of snooker going on this weekend, actually, not just the Championship League.
1: No, de- definitely. And you're so right there about the gap between that level and the tour. But again... Guys like Maddox, it's just going to be about getting table time, isn't it? I looked at his results last season. He found life pretty hard work, but, you know, you're going to do that certainly early on, you know, especially with ways some of the some of the, the tournaments are drawn, frankly, often going to play sort of top players. So, you know, the, the experience will come and um, sometimes you need two or three seasons, don't you, frankly? You know, one's not enough.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think it's great that he has the age range stuff to go and play as well. Yeah. Uh, because if you if you just turned up on the tour and just got beat a lot of the time, almost all the time, then it can be really dispiriting. Uh, makes progression as much as you're gaining experience just an absolute killer for your morale. So to go and win a load of games uh, on a different tour in different tournaments um, will keep that morale bubbling along nicely to go back and have another crack against the big boys on the main tour.
1: Definitely, and um, well, thank you, Phil. And we look ahead and uh, within with. With some relish to the climax of the Championship League and then the British Open, uh, I noticed with interest that ITV have given us more details of their coverage of the British Open. And it's brilliant, frankly. 12.45 until 5pm every afternoon and 6.45 to 11pm every evening. And it strikes me, you know, that with a fifth event on ITV and obviously BBC with their four, uh, if you count the Welsh, which is available in a sort of red button online service, uh, not to mention all the um, events that we see on Quest as well. And I know David Henders made this point in the Snooker Scene magazine. that That's over 100 days, I'm pretty sure, that, that'll total. And, I mean, if we listed the number of sports that would kill for that, even half that, we'd be here for another hour, wouldn't we? I mean, it, it it's worth remembering. It's worth remembering sometimes, we've said it before, but how lucky we are. The levels of coverage of this sport are are fabulous and they certainly will be again when the players head to Leicester in a week's time, Phil.
2: Yeah, it's great stuff. Um, and I'll be interested to see how they cover it because there's so many games going on. Obviously, the the short formats, I think there's four tables. So um, I guess they'll just be focusing on one table at a time, but they could almost do a um, a bit of the thing they do at the end of the qualifying the, for the World Championships. Just flitting about, that might be interesting, but I don't think they probably won't be doing that. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's It's been quiet. Obviously, we've had a break. But when things got start going again, when the season starts cranking into gear, it feels like snooker's barely off the television and uh, certainly not complaining about that. It's superb.
1: Definitely. And I, and I had a quick scribble down, which uh, I know we're, we're, we'll be planning our pods for, for a lot of the rest of the year. And it, when you get into the autumn, you realise, God, every week we'll be previewing and reviewing a big event. You know, not, not just, uh, you know half good ranking events these are top events the new one in turkey the northern Ireland open the english open the champion of champions the uk championship and there's even more before christmas two more i think it's the scottish and the world grand prix i mean Mm. we you know we we, we will be spoiled in the in the weeks to come it's it's felt like a slow burn during the summer but it's really going to crank up now we're going to see some fabulous action aren't we
2: yeah definitely yeah that that period from yeah, sort of the start of October, really, or September, maybe, all the way through to Christmas. It's just back to back to back to back, and it'll get to a point where we start saying, oh, they should be putting a day in between these tournaments. Yeah. We've said it before. I can see when I'm going to say it again, but at the minute, I'm all for it. Just put it on every day, but I'll change my tune in a couple of months. Huh. Well, I think the UK is down to
1: start on the Tuesday um, this time, which is more traditional. I think last year it was on the Monday. And there is only going to be one day. I think it's the champion of champions is a bit later. So, yes, it's a it's a classic first world luxury snooker, yeah. problem, isn't it? You know, the, we'd soon complain if there was only seven or eight events going on. But, yes, one day to to maybe preview and look ahead to such a big event is maybe not optimal. But uh, as you say, we're, we're generally quite sport. I mean, we? we've got so many fabulous events to look forward to. Um, Phil, I know one thing we wanted to do... Um, in this episode was have a little word about some of the other audio services that were out there. I know people were very welcoming to us um, when we came on the scene. So I think it's only fair to sort of um, uh, push that, um, you know, kind talk on as it were. And we're gonna start with snooker scene with Dave Hendon. Obviously it's been going for years, always great value. And the last episode actually well worth a listen with Dave and Phil Yates reflecting on great moments from the British Open really reminds you how much history there is in this event. I know it's going to be a different format this time, but it has got that name. It has got that cachet and, um, you know, really just crystallized how big an event it was back then. Those other events on the calendar that weren't the, the kind of Triple Crown, there's no doubt that they were really big events. And it was kind of like the flagship event for ITV back there. Some top finals, some top winners, some top memories and uh, yeah, yes snooker scenes are always worth a listen because let's face it i mean you know when you when you talk about someone like phil i think he's pretty much been at every world championship since about 1972 or 3 phil so that's it absolutely invaluable he's a man that's uh, he he's been snooker's permanent witness hasn't he really
2: yeah you're a complete encyclopedia it's a superb resource yeah and a uh, great storyteller as well yeah um yeah i like listening to phil um and undoubtedly, Snoopy scenes one, um, one uh, that I'll, I'll download and listen to as soon as it comes out every week. It's a it's a must, really. So, uh, and I'd be I'd be stunned if anyone who's listened to this one doesn't listen to that one. But if there are anyone on here that fits that bill, then uh, sort it out.
1: And there we are. That's a good. Nice, nice plug for them there. Well, there are some other ones that are probably, uh, definitely not as well known, but they have come on the scene and they are doing good work. One is the Talking Bulls pod with Michael Wright. And Michael's already had some top guests on his website, on on his uh, podcast, including uh, Joe Perry. Uh, So uh, he's obviously a really enthusiast. And, you know, it's it's a really nice uh, resource, nice to tune in. And, uh, you know, does quite long chats, chewing the fat with players and uh, other people involved. So that's good to see. And also the eight ball podcast with Daniel Wells and Scott Ryan, a bit of a mixture of Paul and snooker. And again, they've had some um, really top guests on there, including uh, Jimmy White, actually in recent times. And one that um, goes out on YouTube, you see it a lot on Facebook and that's the 15 red podcast with Mike Dove, Scott McArthur and Graham Drayton. Now those guys are proper snooker enthusiasts and they regularly have really long discussions about the game about great players of the past, memorable tournaments, and again, they have special guests on there. Cliff Thorburn was among those they've had on there. Mm. So it's really nice, isn't it, Phil? Because you know we mustn't just play lit service. You know, when we came on the scene and, and said it's good to have more podcasts, we, sh- we should throw that forward. The more people talking about the game, the better, and it's, it should be for the benefit of us all, shouldn't it?
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think everyone sort of does it in a slightly different way, which is nice. Um, yeah, I, I listened to all those guys that you just mentioned. Um, I've had the talking balls one with head Clive Everton on, and I've had it downloaded on my phone for seemingly ages and I've still not got around to listen to it by I will. I promise. And, uh, I really enjoyed listening to Alan Robidoux on the eight ball podcast. Uh, he's a great storyteller actually. Just got a lovely voice as well. Lovely accent. Um, that was a long old chat. They did with him as well. That was really good. Um, so yeah, as you say, there's a, uh, it's far from saturated market at all. There's uh, there's space for everybody and uh, and everyone's doing it slightly differently, which is great. So uh, yeah, the more the merrier and everyone's doing it really well. Exactly. My brother's quite a big listener to um, podcasts, more
1: music actually. And I thought he made a very good point, this is some months ago, that he's noticed in the podcast world, there isn't really that rivalry that would exist maybe on the more mainstream outlets like a sort of radio show, television, something like that. I think that's right, really, because, you know, people can listen to us whenever they want, can't they? Mm. There's not enough hours for them on the week, and they'll miss miss, miss us out a week. But there probably are, aren't there? Even in our busy lives, if you're a snooker fanatic, and I know we have many of those listening to us, you're going to find room, I know I do, for sort of three or four. And I do that for most of the sports I I, I love, be it football, be it NFL, be it golf. And, you know, again, it's it's a more the merrier thing and we're not fighting in a particular time slot. So I think there is room for everyone to kind of be supportive of each other, hopefully. And um, that's what, certainly what we're trying to do. And uh, yeah, there's been there's some great work out there. And again, it makes you realise, Phil, there are so many interesting characters in this sport. I mean, t- I'm touching wood here on my table. We're, we shouldn't run out of interesting guests <laughs> any time soon, should we? There are just the levels of, 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 of interesting people You know some great characters. We're spoiled rotten, aren't
2: we? Yeah, definitely. Everyone has. uh, Everyone seems to have a lot to say, and I think when I speak to players, you quite often often seems like you know you're the first one to ask them something for ages, and I'm sure that isn't the case, but they're always they're always keen to get something off their chest a lot of the time. So uh, yeah, no, it's great for great for us doing our job. And you're right. I think. And also, I think in this sport, uh, everyone who's in it is an enthusiast and sort of wants to publicize the game so there isn't that sort of doing down what you could see as your opponents or rivals or whatever in the media because I think I think everyone generally has a has a passion to sort of see the sport do well and uh, recognize that whatever we're all doing is uh, is good for it so yeah I think there's a more of a camaraderie than maybe in some bigger sports where they're f- scrapping for for airspace or column inches and stuff like that
1: no, very good way of saying it. And linked to that um, about snooker players being honest the snooker players, saying what's on their mind and saying it in a very compelling way. That reminds me of Tom English, This, this Sporting Life. He, he's, he said, and I think he's a top journalist, Tom English, I really rate him. He said he loves speaking to snooker players because he just thinks they're brilliant storytellers. They've got so much to say. We don't hear them enough a lot of the time. And his interviews with Stephen Hendry, Dennis Taylor and Graham Dott are all available still on BBC Sounds. And all three of those are brilliant are brilliant listens. But listen, one thing we want to say as well, don't we? If you've got a snooker show yourself, um, really, we're talking audio-based here. So we keep it you know, specified within, the, within those boundaries. Do let us know. We'll be happy to mention it on here. Because I know a few do pop up in in maybe less mainstream places. And um, yeah, we'll certainly be happy to give you a mention. But Phil, well, we've got one more week of, of the Championship League and um, and then the British Open. And so we're heading towards the end of the summer now, but there's lots of action to look forward to. And well, it'll be interesting to see who emerges as, as, as the first ranking event uh, winner of the season. And uh, whoever it is, of course, it just, it's obvious thing to say, but it just gets your season off to a brilliant start, isn't it? And you can really look forward then so much to the rest of the campaign.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's a good prize. I think it's hard to work out because you, you add up all the, the prize money. You get 20 grand for winning it, but you already picked up 13 grand over for winning the first three stages, if you get that far. So 33,000 pounds can uh, make a big old difference to some people's rankings. Um, so yeah, and a great start, great morale boost. And if you've got through all three stages and then won the final, You'll certainly have beaten some good players along the way, um, even if it is ever a short format. And, yeah, looking forward to this week, really. I think that these groups that we've spoken through uh, are great. And then the final day is really interesting, the two final groups and then the final after the final groups. <laughs> it's so long, you <laughs> feel like repeating yourself sometimes. But, um, yeah, certainly that Friday is well worth watching, even if you haven't watched any of the or much of the Championship League so far. Um, and hopefully they've got that enormous trophy back that Kyron Wilson picked up and it seemed about as big as him quite enjoyed that one because they replaced a very puny one that they'd had before so hopefully it's the big one again
1: you're quite a trophies man aren't you as we said before I've got visions of them kind of forgetting that they've got to make the final best of five they've done best of four all along and then sort of like oh it's best of four that's okay no they, 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 <laughs> they've got that right best of five final We'll and we'll look forward to that I think that's about it, it from us sir we haven't done one of our marathons here but I don't know, maybe the listeners will be saying thank God.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's good to mix it up, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, there's no point flogging a dead horse. We've spoken about the Championship League a lot. I think I'd be surprised if any other podcaster around has mentioned the Championship League as much as us. So we can take that title ourselves. I might make myself a big trophy for that.
1: Now, Phil Hay, before I forget talking about trophies,
2: I will say
1: it on air, we are definitely going to have a match this autumn. We're going to have a match. Now, we probably should discuss this off-air rather than on, but we're mavericks like that. I, I think we should probably do it in Tooting. Because there are various London venues. I know you've played there before. I've played there as well. In tribute to Jimmy and and Tony Mio, I think I think we should maybe do it in Tooting.
2: Yeah, that suits me. It's a bit of a trek from Reading, but I don't mind it. I love it around there. I used to live not too far from there. Um, so, yeah, I think we've never played before, but having had brief conversations about it, I think we're at a similarly terrible standard so it'll be a level game a long and level game
1: we both know Barry Hearn to some extent now we, we can't really twist his arm to to sort of get any kind of coverage involved can we <laughs> that's, stre- that's stretching it isn't it
2: I think I mean I could write it up in the metro but I might get I might get a stern ticking off for <laughs> wasting my time <laughs> brilliant yeah let,
1: let, let's depart and um and thank you so much, Phil. Look forward to your company next time when we're reviewing the climax of the Championship League and previewing the British Open. Have a great week, sir.
2: Thank you, you too. Always a pleasure. And thanks to everyone for listening.
1: And uh, keep your thoughts coming to us. We've got that Your Views episode in September. They are trickling through now a bit more your correspondence as uh, as we we head more into a sort of busier time in the in the snooker calendar. Talking snooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at Talking Snooker. But for now, from Phil and myself,
0: cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com
2: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>